I want to thank Benjamin uh, this week for removing these steps uh, so the older guy could get up a little easier. Uh, we were joking last week that Benjamin's working because he thinks he already can, but one Sunday he's going to do a box jump and just jump over the rail to get up here. Um, I, yeah, no, I'm not even going to try it. If we put a bar down, I might try to limbo under it, but that would be it. Good morning. How are y'all today? Um, did y'all eat some muffins this morning? Yeah, okay, that's no excuse to fall asleep. I'm sorry, if you carb loaded, then, then that's your fault. Don't, don't take it out on me, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I have a pretty good father-in-law. He, uh, he's, a, he's a good man. Uh, he works hard. Um, he has, you know, two beautiful daughters and two sons. He owns his own uh, air conditioning and refrigeration business that he pretty much built up from scratch, and yet he'll still go at the end of the day and help his wife, who has a flower shop, and he'll arrange flowers and help do decorations and deliveries and everything like that. He raises miniature schnauzers, um, and we have, we have two of them uh, that, uh, that, that live with us, but they have like a yard full of, of miniature, miniature schnauzers. Um, he loves to go on cruises. I don't see the appeal of being trapped on a city-sized boat with lots of people out in the middle of the ocean, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, he's a great cook. Uh, he can barbecue. He can grill. And he accepted me at a time in my life when I was not this put-together person that you see before you. 28 years ago, when I walked in the door of his house, um, I had hair, and it was uh, and it was it was the late '80s mullet. Um, it was it was it was permed. Um, uh, so and and I walked in and and I was I was not a good guy. I was not doing I was not doing well at life. I was struggling. I was making some really really poor choices, and he never batted an eye. He accepted me in from day one, even though he was probably leery of me and looking at Don like, what in the world are you thinking? But he never voiced that, and he never demonstrated that towards me. And at a time in my life when it was necessary for those who loved me to have an intervention, he was one of the ones that sat in the chair. So I was excited that I get to talk to you this morning about Moses' father-in-law, even though his name is Jethro. Now we need to back up a little bit here because some of you, when I say the name of Jethro, you're already getting the song in your head, right? Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. That's not the Jethro we're talking about, okay? It's not Jethro Bodine, the cipher king of the sticks. It's not Jethro who ate his cereal out of a giant mixing bowl. Um, it, 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 that's not who we're talking about. It's a completely different Jethro. This Jethro was the priest of Midian. And when Moses had come to a point in his life where he had figured out what was going on in Egypt and he had rebelled against it and tried to stop and ended up killing someone and getting a bounty placed on his head, when he fled to the well in Midian and saved Jethro's daughters, Jethro 
offered him a place to be. He offered him a place to be, a place to hide out, and a place to grow and mature. And so Jethro saw Moses go from being somebody that's on the run, a fugitive, to being a husband, a father, and a shepherd. And Moses took advantage of this, and he stayed there for 40 years. And for 40 years, he grew as a shepherd, he grew as a husband, he grew as a father, and he grew as a man. And as he spent that time, over that time, taking care of the flocks, it happened that one day he comes upon the burning bush. And God's call for the next phase of his life. And when Moses went back and told Jethro... Hey, I need to go back to Egypt and see if any of my people are still alive. Jethro blessed him and sent him on his way. Now, a few things happen while Moses is in Egypt. There are the plagues. There's the battle with Pharaoh. There's that final moment when they are set free and allowed to go. And then there's the moment when they think that they have escaped and they're on the shore of the Red Sea And the army begins to approach them. And God fights for them through the night. And he brings a massive wind that comes through. And it divides the sea. And it offers a path to freedom. And then it's just travel. Then it's just moving and and keeping all of the people going. And trying to keep them their energy levels up and trying to keep them satisfied and trying to keep them in line. And all along the way, there are setbacks that cause the people, these Israelites, to gripe and complain and wail and moan and ask, why didn't we just die in Egypt? At least there are cemeteries. God offers them fresh water in exchange for bitter when they cry out that they're tired and they, they don't have any source of food and they don't have any way, and you know, there's no Arby's or 7-Eleven or anything along the way, God provides them manna and he gives them quail to eat. And so they're eating that and they're kind of thankful. When I read this section of scripture, I remember trips with my family. And yes, I exasperated them when I was trying to keep them on schedule and get their car, get their suitcases in the right order so that Tetris works, right? But there's a time, isn't there, Dad? There's a time when the griping in the back seat and the whining and the complaining and everybody going, I need to go to the bathroom and everything else just gets on your last nerve. And you're ready, right? The movie scenes show it as like, Don't make me turn this car around. Don't make me pull over to the side of the road. Christmas is canceled. There's that moment, there's that point where as a dad leading this caravan of your people that you're just tired of them being your people. And I think that's where Moses is when Jethro shows up. They're finally at the base of Mount Sinai. They're in the foothills. They maybe got a little bit of time to spread out a little bit in their tents and and wherever they're camping. And and Moses is probably glad for that because he's had it up to here. And Jethro shows up. Jethro shows up and he has has Moses' wife and his two boys with him. And he shows up at the tent and he hears about all the things that God has done. Moses gets to share with his father-in-law how 
he overcame his status as a fugitive in Egypt and became a leader of these people. That God had used his voice and his body in a way that was, that was able to free and, and release the people of God to finally have hope of their own place. It's the promised land. But ever since they left Egypt, it had just been one gripe and complaint after another one. It had just been one thing after another, and he's just fed up. And it says in Scripture that Jethro bought a, brought a burnt offering, and then he gathered with Moses and the elders in Moses' tent, and he shared bread with them. Now, that doesn't always sound like a delicacy, unless, unless your mama was a good baker and made good biscuits. And then you know the value of good bread. Plus, these people had been eating manna for a while, and now they just had regular bread. They're blessed. And the beauty of this, what we see exemplified in Jethro, is that whether he is at home, in his home in Midian, or whether he is in Moses' home in the tent at the foothills of Mount Sinai, he is showing hospitality. He's offering him a moment of peace, a moment of quiet, and a moment of delicacy. It's just as simple as that. As simple as offering him something that he hasn't had in a long time. Man, you know what? I, I love it when I can walk into a kitchen somewhere and somebody's making cinnamon toast. Right? There's just something about cinnamon toast. Right? Especially when, when, they're, when they don't go easy on the butter. Go heavy on the butter. That's the trick, right? Heavy on the butter, and then just the right amount of sugar in with the cinnamon sprinkled on there. Whew. Takes me back to being a kid watching Looney Tunes on the floor of, the, of my house, eating cinnamon toast. Going back as many times as I wanted to. It's a delicacy. And I can imagine that in this moment, as Jethro shows up, simply offering a tender ear, a new ear, to listen to all the stories, both great and difficult, and eating bread with someone who cared for him for 40 years, who showed faith in him when he was simply just a fugitive on the run. But that's not all that Jethro brings. The next day, as Jethro is walking around the camp, checking everything out, looking at everything, he sees Moses, who is constantly in a meeting. He's constantly in a meeting with two people or three people who have a complaint against one another, who said, well, they started it. No, they started it. They took my cow. No, they didn't take their cow. They took my sheep, so I took their cow. And it's just this endless arguing. Parents, do you understand what I'm talking about? Even if you have one kid, they, they argue. Don't look at me like that, Mackenzie. I've heard you. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just what we do when people are together after a long time. We just kind of start to bicker and pick at each other, right? Right? Kids, siblings are going to fight. Our kids were six years apart, and they found a way to fight. My brother is 13 years older than I am, and I still found a way to fight with him. It's just what we do as kids. It's just what we do as people. 
Because things happen that don't go our way and it puts us off kilter and it makes us grumpy and then it makes us complain. And then it makes us do things that we wouldn't normally do. And Moses has to sit and listen to that all day long. Just yeah, 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 all the time. Well, Jethro waits till there's a break in the action. And he pulls him aside and he says something that hasn't been heard since Genesis chapter 2. He says, this is not good. This is not good at all. Why are you the one that are listening to all of these people? And Moses says, I'm the only one smart enough to do it. Now that's not what he says verbatim. But if you read through the stories, it's what he said. He said, they come to me because they need a judge. They need somebody who knows the law. And Jethro says, no. No. If you keep this up, you're going to wear you and them out. It's not good for either side for you to be listening to every complaint that everyone has. So here's what you do. You set judges for them. And you set them up by the thousand, by the hundreds, by the tens. You set them up so that they can hear these small cases. And then if it still needs to bounce up the ranks to you, it'll still make it to you. But sometimes these decisions can be made on a lower end. You see, Jethro offered hospitality the night before with his calming presence in the bread. But what he offered that morning was wisdom. He offered wisdom. Wisdom to step back and take a minute. Wisdom to not be so independent that you forget that you're interdependent on one another. Wisdom that helps calm leadership and also calm those who are being led. Because when you hear complaints all day long, it can kind of give you a negative or a cynical worldview. When all you see are the things that are wrong with society, it's really hard to be gentle and kind. You feel like you live life on yellow alert. You feel like you've got to be ready to respond at any time to anything. You feel like everybody's out to get you or out to get somebody. And that's pretty rough on just your ordinary, average, everyday person. But imagine it being like that for a Christian. Used to have a saying about folks who were always on edge when I was a kid. We'd say that they were as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. And there's some times in the society we're living in that it can become like that for us. That in our ordinary average lives, on the days that we're just trying to get by so that we can get by so that we can get to sleep, sometimes in those moments it can be really easy to develop a cynical worldview. To just kind of see things and go, figures. I knew they were going to do that. Those people are always. But that's dangerous thinking for a kingdom of priests. Kingdom of priests need to have soft eyes. 
Eyes that are able to take in the whole picture. Eyes that are able to see every aspect of the story. Eyes that are able to witness the difficult things that people are going through and offer them compassionate ears and hospitality. And even to gently offer them an easier way to get through life. Wisdom. Not simple earthly wisdom, but wisdom that comes from heaven and that offers peace. Because Jethro, in his big little life, showed up, offered home, offered food, and offered wisdom, leading the life of a kingdom of priests. That's our mission. As we live our big little lives, as we live our ordinary average lives, three of the simplest things that we can offer is a calm peacefulness, hospitality, whether in our home or someone else's, and wisdom. Wisdom that brings peace and relief. You up for it? Willing to give it a chance? I know some of y'all are in here are pretty good at it. I've witnessed it. So those of you who are so good at it, keep showing us how it works. And for those of us who are still trying to learn, be patient with us. And we are thankful. Would you pray with me? Father, we take the time this morning just to thank you for big little lives in Scripture. People that don't make the headlines, people that maybe we can identify with a little more that are just a, just a single line in the story. May we embrace that. May we accept the challenge and the invitation to simply show up and be calm Offer hospitality and seek wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.